The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Eat Sleep List, your home for list making here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Dan Torres. I am one of the hosts of Eat Sleep List. Alongside me, as always, is the creator, my buddy, Matt Johnson. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm fantastic, my man. How are you? It's uh, good to be in the same room as you again. Um, I'm doing well. We had a great episode last time with Brian. That was so much fun. Now, Brian, we, you know, all our guests are so great. I don't think we've ever had a bad guest. No. <laughs> I love cycling them in as regularly as we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brian's always a good time. He has, uh, he's very opinionated in a good way. Uh, yes. And it brought back a lot of memories, you know, just as far as books that I haven't read in some time, um, you know, amongst amongst other things, amongst other things. And I also got to learn and hear about a lot of new books that I want to try at some point. Too, exactly. So. We expanded on our list a lot, I feel like. We sure did. I don't think we had any matching ones, no. right? None of them crossed over? Mm-mm. I think we had some like ones in the similar realm, but not but not exactly the same. So that's yeah. always a good thing. Obviously, billions upon billions of different books have been written. It's really hard to duplicate, but we're all kind of we all have different interests and stuff. So that uh, different but similar interests. So that was pretty nice. Exactly. Yeah. It's it really says a lot about a person's personality. Uh, as far as like their picks, as far as books or music or things like that, you get to know people a lot through it, which our list today is going to say a lot about us, too, I feel like, because we're back to another sports one. Yeah, it's but been a while. It's Yeah, it's been a while. I think the last one, we did the heels in sports. That was the last one. I think that might have been the last one we did. Um and that was a great time. And we have another kind of broad sports topic, which is the best oh my god moments in sports history. Yes. So, and these can be good oh my god, they can be bad oh my god, they can be like, I can't believe that just happened. Just moments that were shocking uh, for everybody either watching at home or uh, at the arena. Things that still get replayed over and over again on ESPN. And I can't believe how many of them there are. There were some off the top of my head that I remembered. But then I was going through and looking at more and I was like, oh, my God, there were so many crazy endings to things or, you know, moments where you couldn't believe a call was made that changed the entire game. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much there is out there. But um, I, I feel like. These are going to say a lot about us. I, I agree. And obviously you and I, we have, I, I think we both enjoy football quite a bit. You have a uh, maybe a much more broader liking of sports, such as, you know, I know you're big into baseball. Mm-hmm. That's something that's, you know, I, I can enjoy in a ballpark, but it's hard for me to watch in TV. Yeah. Um, 
UFC. You're you're massively in the UFC. Yes, that's going to be where a lot of stuff comes from. Um, so that's the fun in all this. That that's the fun in all this is that it's it's you know moments that made us you know excited, and and I guess we get we can really talk about why it excited us yeah. too, which is which is always nice. Now, I, I like to ask this every time somebody picks a topic, but like what what makes a great? I mean, obviously you gave some descriptions, but what makes a great sports moment for you? What what encompasses a, a, a great sports moment for you? I know this is going to sound like such a broad answer, but just something that's genuinely unforgettable. Yeah. Something that in the moment you just never thought could happen or uh, I, I think a lot of these ones that I picked kind of happened quick. They were, they were quick instances that changed a lot of things. Right. Um, the slow builds are a little less for me because you could kind of see them coming, right? The um, 28-3 Super Bowl isn't on my list for that reason. Oof. I can spoil that one right now. <laughs> but that one's not on my list because you kind of saw that coming after a while where all of a sudden it started being in this range where you're like, oh, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those genuinely unforgettable moments in sports, I feel like uh, – make those oh my god moments so much more special (laughs) absolutely dude i feel that way too um you know because as far as we know sports are unpredictable uh it's it's man it's just crazy how things have to happen just a certain way for it to happen yes and you know you, you just you can't I, I feel like it's one of those things where you just can't practice and prepare for that moment. Mm-hmm. It's random. It's, it's, oh, man. And I think crowd has to do with it a lot. A lot I too. think so, too. I'm a sucker for crowd noise, crowd uh, just, uh, as we call them in wrestling, crowd pops. Pops. Right? Uh, that helps, too, whether it's raining down a booze or, or, you know, thousands of cheers. Or I the silence. To, or dead silence. Oh. It can make a moment very airy. Um, that's That all encompasses, that all plays a huge part mm-hmm. um, in, in, I think, a, a great sports moment, too. I, I find myself on YouTube all the time looking up, you know, uh, crowd, crowd, you know, even in wrestling, which I have no pro wrestling stuff on here because I feel like that's a, a topic of its own. Yes. But I'll look up. You know, best crowd reactions, WWE, or best crowd reactions, NFL. Uh, even preparing for this episode, trying to jog my memory a little bit, I was, like, looking at various other sports, like best crowd reactions, uh, you know, for baseball and and such. So, um, so yeah, man, sports moments are great. It's it's It can be the great unifier sports can be. Mm-hmm. It can be the great divider. But uh, it's... It's man, it's special. I, it's, I do it's love something sport. very, very special. Sure is. Yeah. So. Uh, so let's dive right into it with our oh my god moments in sports. Um, start us off with your number ten, <laughs> man. <laughs> well, what yeah. I do? No, you didn't do anything. I'm just excited for my number ten. I can't wait. Okay. Uh, so it feels like forever ago versus. Uh, uh, when this little company called um, Triller was issuing boxing Oh, my cards. Lord. 
Yeah, this is right in the middle of COVID. Okay. I want to, you know, bring this up, that those trailer cards were absolutely horrendous. So bad. They were some of the worst. We sat here, I think, three times, and I was like, this is the... These cards are so poorly booked. There's a fight, 30 minutes of live music, a fight, 30 minutes of live music, a slap fight contest, uh... That if, you know, it, it, they were just crap. Yeah. However, <laughs> one of my favorite ones, it was from November. I think it was from the the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. card. Oh, my Lord. Which was November 28th. Yep, it was. November 28th, 2020. Oh, I, dude, that's so long ago. Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Nate Robinson was so hyped up. And uh, we didn't know what Jake Paul was as a boxer. He's just a YouTube guy, right? And I still don't take him credibly as a boxer. I don't. He hasn't really beaten anybody. He <laughs> he beat the shit out of Nate Robinson. Yeah. He knocked him down like four times in that last one that gave up that iconic meme. Like, that was the most exciting thing, not only on that car, but Triller oh my God. ever had. You're you know, right. Like the Askren fight, we didn't stay. Up. I didn't stay up for that. We were here waiting forever, and it was a thirty-second knockout. I would have been pissed if we stayed for that. But Nate Robinson getting his clock clean, talking. He was talking hell of shit, and just and he he got knocked out, butthole in the air, just <laughs> sleeping. He got caught. I think it was the, I think it was a right right cross, and just just ate it. I was watching it before. And they were, he had Mauro Ronaldo on, on commentary. He oh, goes, yeah. Mamma mia! <laughs> and Nate Robinson sleeping. Listen, there's, I've experienced many great sports moments in my life. That was an oh my God. Only because, I mean, first, just hindsight being 2020 with how bad those troller cards were, that was probably the most iconic moment. And uh, yeah, Jake Paul knocking out Nate Robinson. Those things were so bad. Those those cards all were like they a got destroyed sure. on Twitter. I don't think they do them anymore. No, they don't. They got destroyed after that last. I think after the Askren, they one, went he got, bankrupt. Yeah, is that what that happened? One. I think something like that. They just said like, yeah, we're never yeah, because people this weren't again. paying for it anymore. They're like, no, we're tired of this shit. Why would you? They were just illegally streaming it, and then and, and they were touting that they were like, yeah, we're they were touting the illegal streams. But then Asker knocked out, got knocked out in thirty seconds. Took his payday, went home, and that was. I think that was the last truer card they ever did. Yeah. So, oh, that Nate Robinson one was something special. Honestly, were you here for that? <laughs> I was not for that that one. I was here for the Askren card. Okay. And we, uh, I remember saying like, oh, "I'm tired. I'm going to wait until there's one more fight," and then like. 45 minutes later, the second fight had and started. Just kept going. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, okay, I got to go now. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just tired as shit. And then the rest of the card wasn't even, it wasn't worth it. No, no. They were only, yeah, they don't do like four fights. Yeah. The one that I didn't hate, I kind of hated at the end result, but it was the the Paul Floyd Mayweather one. Yeah. That was Fixed as hell. That was so fixed. That was unbelievable. Because uh, he so bad. Paul got knocked out, and then Mayweather held him up. It mm-hmm. was like, "Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming out." 
Thanks for your money. Thanks Appreciate for your money. It. Stupid ass. Take your bows. We all got suckered into that. But yeah, we did. It was nice to have everybody kind of around for to to, to watch those, but not great sports mm-hmm. quality overall. But that is my number ten. Uh, very nice. I love that. I'm going to start off with. It's so hard because some of these are so cool for different reasons, but I'm going to go with the Miracle in Minneapolis for. Uh, for my number 10. Very good. The Stefan Diggs catch that uh, ended the divisional game between them and the Saints, right? Um, final play of the game. Diggs makes this unbelievable catch jumping over a defender. Why uh, the coverage was so blown on that play, <laughs> I will never know. They're at home, right? They were they were in Minnesota when that happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I was in Minneapolis. They, yep. Well, yeah. Duh. I just said it was the Minneapolis. <laughs> <sighs> Can we delete that? No. Just leave my stupidity <laughs> in there. People need to see the real me. They really do. Um, no. Uh, the stakes that were behind that were just so unbelievable. And to have the hometown crowd reacting as crazy as they did when he got that touchdown. And, you know, he gets in the end zone. He just, like... Just goes in the b boy stance and stays there, and his whole t- his whole team just floods. It's just a, it's the put your team on your back moment. It, it's it's that uh, it's the moment like Marshawn Lynch had with that run. Uh, oh, Beastquake, yeah, yeah, Beastquake. Yep. Uh, it, it's those moments that really define a player's career. And Diggs wouldn't be nearly as popular today without that catch as he is now. You're and probably like, right. His value wouldn't have gone up so much. Um, an article last year rated it as like the ninth best play in NFL history or ninth best like catch, which they're probably right. It's it's top 20 for sure. I would dare so put it. If, if you're 10. making a list, it would, it's top 20 like undoubtedly. Yeah. So that's that says enough within itself. But at the time, it was just so crazy to see that. Like, that was one of those catches you just watched over and over and over and over again. Those moments are just freaking unbelievable. So the miracle in Minneapolis makes it in as my number 10. That's great. I'm not going to comment any on it because it is on my list. Oh, So I'm going to add my two cents on it. Um, and that it Excellent. is, it I kind of had a feeling moment. you were going to be it's so good. It's, it's so it's good. Amazing so I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that it made your top 10 cause it is a very, um, it's an elite moment. Mm-hmm. It's an elite moment. I love it. Um, number nine, Matt. All right, buddy. My number nine is, uh, my first Homer pick, <laughs> uh, for, for this. So this is, uh, Indianapolis Colts, um, I'm getting up the game here. It's January first, two thousand twenty. Or sorry, two thousand and seven. Uh, it's the Patriots and the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, winner goes to the the Super Bowl. And uh, it's bad. It started off really bad, at least for the Colts. Right, Pat's fans are up. They're up twenty-one to three at one point. Let me see what the biggest oh, twenty-one to this. six, and uh, the Colts rally back. All right, um, the Colts rally back. Uh, Peyton Manning goes to work. It's a big second-half game. Um, they score a touchdown early in the third. They score uh, another touchdown. Uh, Pat score, and then it's just a big score-off. Uh, Colts score in the fourth quarter. 
Patriots just keep scoring field goals. They can't get in the end zone. Mm. And um, finally, with a minute and two seconds left, uh, the Colts take the lead for the first time of the game uh, with a with a touchdown. They go up 38-34. The problem and the worry that myself and many people across uh, NFL football fandom felt was that you left Tom Brady with one, one minute, minute left on the clock. We all know what Tom Brady can do. He is... The goats, whether you like, want to admit it or not, um, and then he's they're going, they're going, and uh, Tom throws an interception, which is something that he is not known for. Uh, let's see, when did this occur? Twenty-four seconds left. They're on the Indianapolis forty-five. They got to score a touchdown, but you know, it's, again, this is a pretty good roster, and. Uh, Tom Brady throws, and Marlon Jackson hops up and uh, picks off Tom Brady. They kneel, and the Colts go to their first Super Bowl. Uh, well, Peyton goes to his first Super Bowl. The Colts, their third Super Bowl uh, in NFL history. And it is, like, man, I yearn for those days. Who'd they beat in that one? That was uh, yeah, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, they yeah. beat the Bears. It That's was a right. very boring Super Bowl. If I, if I wasn't a Colts fan, it would be probably... I remember I watched it specifically for wanting to see Peyton win it yeah. for the first time. And it was just so boring. But it was cool because the Colts won. And, I mean, that's the era... Those are the guys that I fell in love with. Are the those That team was the reason why I fell in love with the Colts. Not that year, but the Peyton Mannings, Marvin Harrison, Jeff Saturday, you know, Freeney, all those guys... Um, where I ended up loving the Colts, and to see them kind of cap it off um, after all those years uh, was was tremendous. They were the one seed, I think, the year before, and then Pittsburgh beat them. And, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh beat them in, uh, in the AFC Championship game in Indianapolis. Then for them to finally hit it was like, oh, thank God. Um, yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, so that's that's my number nine. He deserved everything he got with uh, his recognition in the Super Bowls. I was happy to see him get that one with Andy, and then I was so happy to see him get his one with the Broncos oh, too, I know. against all odds that year. He had some weird Super Bowl just stuff, man. Yeah, Peyton did. Obviously, like I said, that, that Bears Colts one was boring, and then the next one was them and the Saints, and I oh, was like, that was bad, and. There, it was. I mean, it was a great game, but Peyton's like moment to shine. Like he probably, if he would have, you know, he would have won Super Bowl MVP if he would have went and scored. The defense was just so bad, and then he throws a pick six to end the game, and I'm like, ugh. And then he has that twenty, is it twenty twelve Super Bowl, mm-hmm. twenty twelve or twenty thirteen? No, twenty thirteen, when um, they went up up against the Seahawks and they got destroyed. The, yeah, that was so the defi- bad. They, the snap went over his head on the first play. First play, yeah. Broncos were the the number one offense all year, best offense of all, one of the best offenses of all time as far as yardage, touchdowns. I think Peyton set the touchdown record, and they looked like crap in the Super Bowl. Was it was bad. so bad. Yeah. So and that also what you talked about too, the Brady Manning rivalry like sparked up so much from like that moment on too, where it was, okay, it's, it's us two against each other, huh? Yeah. So it, I love those seeds cause it just plants it forever. Like that, that's, that's how long term forever intertwined, yep. forever intertwined. So I love it. That is my number nine. Marlon Jackson, uh, holds off the Patriots and Colts go to the Super Bowl. Love it. This is appropriate too, because the draft is 
tomorrow. Tomorrow, so yeah. It, it makes sense that we're doing some sports stuff, right? I was really, again, I was really, really glad that you mentioned it because I'm in total draft mode. I'm ready for our draft party tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait. I cool. can't wait. I've been looking. It, this week has been going by so slow. And I'm just like, come on. Come on. Let's go. Pick up the pace. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah, that feeling is the worst. I hate when we <laughs> drag like that when you're looking forward to stuff. Absolutely. Um, all right. My number nine. I'm having a hard time picking this one. I think that here I'm going to go with uh, the Mets Grand Slam single. Probably would be my number 10 were it not the Mets and I have to put their fandom up a little bit higher than I would. So I can't rightfully put it at number 10, but this moment is a great moment for all Mets fans. So it was the um, National League Championship Series and we were up against our rival Braves. Uh, The series was, I believe Atlanta was up 2-1 in the series at the time. Um, And Throughout this game, it was tied 2-2. I can't remember when it was all tied up, but it ends up being tied 2-2 up through the 15th inning. 15th. (sighs) Baseball games are nine innings typically. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, Mets are at home. Um, It's 2-2 throughout this whole time. Finally, um, a Mets reliever lets up a go-ahead. I can't remember if it was a single or double, but either way, the Braves go up 3-2. The next inning, the Braves reliever comes up, loads the bases, and then walks the next batter uh, to to tie it and to bring up Robin Ventura. Right. And so the stadium is going crazy. And there's also... The crazy thing about this, too, is there was also a rain delay, a big part of this game. So they had to stop the game part of the time. So these people are like, it's late. They're like, like diehard. It's still raining. So like the atmosphere is like, so now it's, it's all tied up. Now it's like, okay, they have life again. So Robin Ventura gets up with the bases loaded and hits on uh, a 2-1 pitch. Just smokes one, and it goes out of the park. Shea Stadium is going insane, absolutely insane. And it's a Grand Slam single because Robin Ventura made it around first base, and his team just rushed him. And stop, and we're all celebrating at first base with him, and they're saying like it. It has to technically the guy has to round the bases for everything to kind like of the course, game's over. Yeah. But like it's it, it was never he never finished rounding the bases, and they all went and celebrated. They, the Mets went on to lose the series, which sucks. Um, but then the Yankees got the Braves in the World Series, so uh, I can't be too too mad about that. <laughs> uh, but that moment is just one of the most incredible moments for uh, Met fans to look back on. I got my dad, I can't remember, it's got to be within the last 10 years. I got him a DVD set that had uh, some of the Mets' greatest games on it. It was on and the... he, Yeah, oh, and God. on Christmas when he opened it, that was the game he put on first. And we just like sat and It's such it a cool? good game. It's such a good it's game. It's neat, too, that like... You sit, you sat and watched the whole game, though, mm-hmm. right? It's not just highlights; it's the whole, the whole thing game, and that's such a cool thing too. Because sports, it, it's so 
Uh, the sports world moves so fast, and, and I don't meet too many people who can sit and watch an old game. Yeah. They'll watch the highlights. They'll watch that specific moment. But, man, it is that's that's cool. That is a really cool moment. That was awesome. Really good one that you got to have with your dad too. You well, know, they he, sit and watch that. Yeah, yeah. For that Christmas, for sure. I was when it happened. It was like nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety seven. So yeah. I was too young to like remember that right, specific right. one. I do remember when they went to the World Series in two thousand. Okay. That was that was a big moment for me as a kid because it was like that was the first time, you know, right? Um, with all that hype, and then they went to the World Series like six or seven years ago. So we're getting close all the time, and they're starting off strong this year. So we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Did, who was it that got hurt? Edwin Diaz. Got- oh my God. Yeah. Everybody's freaking out about that. It, that was, I can't, I still can't think. And that was what? That was, uh, it, it was it during was, the baseball class. Baseball class. Celebrating on the mound. And they all like piled on it, a piled on him. And his brother, his brother, jumped on him. Oh. And he just like went down. And they were like, oh no. And he had to get carted off. And this is a baseball classic. So it's like, it's for fun. It's all the countries playing, uh, yeah. playing off against each other. So we're looking, and we're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Over something so stupid. So he tore his ACL, like, doing this. He was out for the season. He didn't even get to throw a pitch for the Mets this season, (sighs) which sucks. But um, we extended him for six years, but I'm hoping his knee is okay and he comes back the same. uh, But you know what? You can't even fault that because in spring training this year, one, a guy from the Phillies went down for like a grounder at first base and blew and blew out his knee doing that. So it, it's it can happen in any situation. A hundred percent. It just seems like it happens to the Mets like all the time. It just feels like there's always something that goes wrong. For Why the you got to do that? I'm sorry. I'm I mean it in support. I know it. It is that there always is something that called Justin Verlander. <laughs> we signed to a two year contract, and he's he hasn't thrown a pitch for the Mets this season yet. He's been injured, oh my so it's God. like. <laughs> What the hell are we doing here? Uh, it's, it's always injury plagues and then losing stupid games like we lost last night. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> my number nine is a great moment for the Mets with the Robert Ventura Grand Slam single. Very good. Very good. You're number eight. I'm excited to hear this. Uh, and you won't be. Uh, this is a painful one. This is the COVID year as well. Um, Hail Murray. It was oh, the- you asshole. I know. I know. I'm sorry. But it was really amazing. I like not because it was against the Bills. I know it was a really spectacular. It catch. was kind of a wild catch, and it was. It, and I admit it was the Cardinals Super Bowl because they didn't win a single game after that. But I, I just I rewatched it again today, and I don't know how he got away. I don't know how uh, Kyler Murray got away. He was like caught. Like two or three times, yeah, and he just did some. Uh, it, I mean, obviously, again, his best sports moment, but just spinning and juking, and just got off, and just I think I'm pretty sure he threw on the run. Yeah, and for, I think he did for D Hop to catch that with triple coverage, and not just any triple coverage. This is three very very talented players to catch that the way that he did. I was. I remember sitting on my couch in my apartment, and I, I watched it. I'm like, "There's no way that actually just happened. There's no way." And they confirmed it. And D Hop is 
you know, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history. He's had a lot of injury issues um, and stuff, but he has his stats don't show it because of his frequent injuries. But he's made some of the most highlight reel catches of all, you know. So that I would put in a top ten. And yeah. again, too. Also, there's nobody in the crowd. I'm pretty sure. They filtered in crowd noise. How amazing that would have been with a full crowd. How amazing it would have sounded. But um, but yeah, I had to put that. I had to put that one. You know, just that <sighs> catching like a football in a in a high pressure moment. You have to stay like you think about that again. You got three defenders on you. You could swat the ball, do whatever, um, and you got to stay so focused and have to have you know, the great hand-eye coordination and grab that thing and pull it down, score a touchdown. It's really, it's, it's really amazing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it was a big moment, but, uh, probably one of the, the best moments of the Arizona Cardinals the last couple of years. It's been pretty disappointing ever since. So, yeah. And I'm glad, um, <laughs> that, you know, I've hated Kyler Murray like since I've had a long running joke with Steve that I I just hate him since that moment. He is a little cocksucker, but uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> just the way that he acts, his whole video game thing. Like he he gets he gets paid. Oh, he got hurt, but he just has like a weird like a maturity thing, and I don't know. It's it, it's it's not good. It I love to see players get paid, but when they get paid and just fall off a cliff performance wise i'm like uh yeah glad it's not me but ugh, like it, it makes it hard to stick you know to be like football's a business you gotta have money you gotta have money to pay players and, and have a team and feel the team and then when other play, when players do that they hog money they ask for the big bucks which again they deserve but you, you crap the bed it's not fun so yeah i agree um, I, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a meme during COVID of four, uh, African guys carrying a casket and dancing with it. And they're playing this, uh, techno oh. song over it. And they were showing, like, they would show clips of, like, people, like, people either getting, like, knocked out or, like, famous plays happening. And, like, they'd be just dancing with the casket on the way to... <laughs> so I, when uh, when the cards got eliminated that year, officially eliminated from contention that year, I uh, I put that, I made, like, a Snapchat video and put that song over it. And I was just, like, strutting by the camera <laughs> and sent it to Steve. And I still send it to him, like, over and over again every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so petty with that. Uh, speaking of petty, let's move on from one football thing to another. Uh, with my number, eight. you got to make fun of the Colts. No, 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 no. I'm not making no, fun of the Colts. Totally Absolutely could. not. Absolutely not. Um, I, I actually don't have them on my list at all. They, they don't have like moments that are super embarrassing for it. There was, you know, the Matty Ice thing happened this year, but like. <laughs> Yeah. But like you know, one that's more of a Maddie Ice thing than anything else at this yeah. point because that's gonna that's like it followed him. Yeah, and you know the Colts like in general this season, it, it's not like it was like a big moment game where like that got you know. I I just have to put that in perspective a little bit. I'm talking about a worse one, which is Russell Wilson's uh, not 
rushing at the goal line and, and passing instead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right into that almost made my list. Yes, um, I Malcolm Butler. Yeah, Mal- Ma- yeah, Malcolm Butler was the one who made the interception. Like that, that moment for me is is so uh, with all the Brady moments that have ever happened in a Super Bowl this stands out the most the 28-3 like i said it was a slow build and like you could kind of see that coming after a while with how everything was going and how yeah. the momentum was shifting um but this one the Seahawks had it in the bag they they were about to walk away with the ring that was yep. it that was you have to just do a rushing play and get over the goal line, and if you don't make it, you just run another play real quick and and just get it in. Why do you pass? Why do you do a pass option uh, uh, on that ever, 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 ever? Why would you do that? Just right into the hands of Malcolm Gordon, crazy or Malcolm Butler, crazy, crazy. I'm thinking of Russell now and not Russell then. Um, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And just realizing as someone who didn't like the Patriots that it was like against the Brady dynasty being like, Oh my God, they're about to lose in this situation and like getting ready to celebrate and them just pulling it off again, bro. I hated both of those teams. <laughs> that was like, I- I'm not going to say it. it was like the worst Super Bowl ever, but I-, I mean, I was excited to see these two teams like, <laughs> The Seahawks were just so loud and so brash. Like, I couldn't stand Richard Sherman and Legion of Boom. And I, it, by not being able to stand them, it basically, I realized how good they were. But the whole just loud trash the talk shtick, thing. Yeah, it was can't, too much. I, I can't do it. We talked, we talked sports villains uh, a month or so ago. And I, I just we talked about Connor and how much just shit talk he does. And he just can't stand it. And so you watched, you wanted him to lose. And then the Patriots, who were you know just so good at everything, you know they, they were the, that that team. It was wild though, and I thought about it. And that Super Bowl, they hadn't won a Super Bowl in ten years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time for the Patriots. They had been to them. two in between. They lost. Mm-hmm. They got killed by Eli Manning, the the Patriots slayer. Mm-hmm. But um, but. That was their first Super Bowl win, and I thought oh, maybe it was only nine. But even still, that's a long time for the dynasty. Um, and for them to win it the way they did, right, you're all excited. There's people just pumped up, fired up. Yeah, let's let's go. The Seahawks are going to win. You know, all these the, the Seahawks fans who came out of nowhere. And, and to have that moment stolen, it was Crazy. like – It was like, again, my understanding of crowds comes from pro wrestling. So it's like when I'll go Montreal. So yeah. Shawn Michaels puts Bret Hart in the sharpshooter. All right. And people are like kind of clamoring for him to get, you know, for, for Bret to get out. And then they ring the bell and then the crowd just, it just goes the other way. Or, or I'll give another example. Um, Undertaker going for the choke slam against Randy Orton. Yeah. He's got him up in the air and then Orton flips it up RKO. Crazy moment. It's it the crowd direction is just going in two like it, it, it reaction emotion is just going in two opposite directions in a split second moment. It's insane. And that was it. it that it's that was it in that Super Bowl yeah. moment. 
It's a great one. It's Super 49, and then the Seahawks were never the same again. Never, never after that. So that is my number eight. Um, let's ride on into number seven. So, Matt, why don't you give us your number seven? There's no more Bills ones, I promise. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. I'm not the biggest basketball fan. All right, I will admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I follow it a little bit closer than I do baseball or hockey. Um, a couple of years ago, I believe I have the game up right here. It was May 12th, 2019. And I believe this is the Eastern Conference final. Yep. Eastern. Oh, East, oh sorry. Eastern semifinals. Um, it's Toronto, the Toronto Raptors and this Philadelphia 76ers. I just remember hearing about Kawhi. This was Kawhi Leonard's big year. And Kawhi was this very interesting cat who showed no emotion at all. His laugh had no emotion at all. They used to meme him and just how just just straight, like, laced he was. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good memes came from it. Um, it's Game 7. Winner advances, and they did end up winning the uh, the NBA championship that year, and it was just it was just Kawhi Leonard's year. It feels like every year there's like some new superstar, like up and coming superstar that just comes and performs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure how long Kawhi has been in the league for, but it was really cool. There's four four point two seconds left, and Kawhi catches a, a pass from like across the, the the you know the short side of the court, not long ways, but but short side. And he goes up, and he's 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 well defended, but he he puts up a three pointer. I think they I think they were down. No, it was two because his feet were inside the three point line. They were tied. They were get, they would have went to overtime. He shoots a jumper, falls down. The basketball hits the rim once, hits the rim twice, and then rolls in. And this I happened in that. Toronto, yes. and the crowd went nuts. And I never seen like it, 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 for the limited amount of basketball that I watch, never seen that much emotion on Kawhi Leonard's face. So it was just cool to see. Buzzer beaters are some of the best moments you can find in sports. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of the best. I, I watched a whole twenty minute highlight reel of buzzer beaters, and like, how great is that? You know, game winning touchdowns are, are 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 fun, but how many really come in the final seconds of a game? Yeah. Right, uh, very re- very rarely get that occasion. Usually, it's it's scores a touchdown, couple seconds left on the clock, got to go through the motions. Other team has to run a play, try and do it. But a buzzer beater, that's it. It's locked in. As long as you got it in time, there's nothing you can do about it. There's no defending it. Locked yep. in, and um, and that was really really cool. That's my fa- one, probably my favorite basketball moment of all time. Um, again, I don't watch a whole lot, but just man, the emotion and for Toronto too, who's historically, I don't know if they had been to any NBA championships before. I know they had had some playoff struggles. They got beat up by LeBron James and the Cavaliers that in a couple years prior and, and whatnot. But man, to see that, that, that crowd and just the whole team hyped up and surrounded them and just with stakes. It's not like it was just like game one or game two. No, this is game seven to move on to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I like it so much. So yeah, that was their year too. Yeah, I I remember uh, the run they went on was just incredible. I think they so beat good. Golden State. They did in the finals. Who was like Golden State's obviously the best team of the last decade. You know, with how consistent they've been. I think four NBA titles, four or five NBA titles. But for Toronto to kind of go in there and do that, pretty remember, awesome. It might have been the final game 
I can't remember what it was. It couldn't have been the final one. One of the games in the NBA Finals that year, I watched with uh, Kevin right after he won the Smash Belt. We okay. went out to this place, like uh, me, him, and a couple of like the Buffalo Brothers. Oh, it was up that. in Toronto too, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, we were, man. so we were up there, That's like kind of cool. watching it there. The atmosphere was cool. It was I'm cool sure vibe. it was. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Um, yeah, that's a great moment. I I didn't really have too many basketball ones that made my list. There, uh, LeBron versus Curry has definitely like brought in a couple like oh my god moments from this generation. But I I don't follow it enough where I confront and say like I've seen this and it was so cool. Like, yeah, yeah. I need to get into it a little bit more. I try. Games are fun to go to. Um, I just I just follow it enough. It, they do the whole super team thing, which is hard for me to follow sometimes. I think mm-hmm. that's slowed down quite a bit. Yeah. But, like, I mean, like, six, seven years ago, the super team stuff was just nonsense. Yeah, it was unbearable. Plus, when it's the same, it's the same two teams in the NBA championship four years in a row, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's 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 tough. Yeah. That's tough. Exactly. It gets a little old sometimes. Um, so you brought up Connor before and Connor getting beat. My number seven has to do with exactly that. My number seven is the I'm not surprised motherfuckers moment. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take you back to 2015 or so. Conor McGregor uh, wins the featherweight belt, which I'll talk about at some point later on in this mm-hmm. list. Um, and he's supposed to move up to lightweight to fight uh, Rafael Dos Anjos for that belt as well. Two weeks before the fight, RDA breaks his foot and he has to uh, pull out. They're trying to find a replacement. Of course, Connor's fighting, so they can't just scrap him off the card. They need to do something to save this pay-per-view because he's going to bring in tons of numbers. Uh, Bring in Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz, who has just returned to the UFC after like an 18-month layoff, fought Michael Johnson on the card, looked great fighting him, but then gets on the mic randomly on this Fox card and calls out Connor in the, you're in the very famous. Now you're taking everything I worked for. I'm after uh monologue that he, that he did and where Joe Rogan had to pull the mic and be like, unfortunately we can't swear on Fox. <laughs> um, so on about 12 days notice, Nate Diaz takes this fight against Connor. I I remember watching the press conference when it happened just because I knew the, tr- the trash talk back and forth was going to be absolutely unbelievable between the two of them. And it did not disappoint. <laughs> uh, quotables from that include uh, Connor saying the thing about Nate being a gangster but working with kids. He makes gun signs at the left hand while making balloon animals with the right hand. (laughs) Uh, Nate Diaz saying he's making a career off of fighting midgets. Uh, He's like, this is what's going to happen. Like, F you, F your belt, like all all that stuff. What makes this night so special in particular is also the Misha Tate moment that comes from that with her um, choking out Holly Holm to become the new uh, Bantamweight champion, which she did in the fifth round of their fight. It was Holly was running away with the fight and Misha got her down and then got her back and threw in a Hail Mary choke and and got her. And that was a crazy moment. And then all of a sudden, Nate and Connor are fighting next. 
Connor uses all of his energy in the first round thinking he could get Nate out of there. Nate busted up just looking bloody as hell like he always does. It starts coming at Connor. And then I'll just never forget the second round. At one point, Nate lands a shot that hurts him. And Nate, like... He he looked at him like, yeah, I know, I know, like I've I've got you. You're slowing down. Connor shoots for the takedown, which Connor never does, ever, ever, ever. It's Nate's wheelhouse. Uh, Nate gets a little ground and pound, throws in a rear naked choke, and gets Connor. And that was the with how much shit Connor was talking at that point. That was one of the most satisfying moments ever. I remember being with my cousin and us just celebrating so hard when that happened, especially because um, I got a lot of respect for Connor that night because of how he handled the loss. He of handled course. he handled it very well, um, and that added a layer. But just Nate coming in and changing his whole life doing that, he changed his whole trajectory of his entire career, made him a, a pay per view superstar doing that, and then. Joe Rogan getting on the mic with him and him just taking and going, hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers, was just the most incredible thing. First thing he said when he got on the mic. (laughs) First thing. Um, And it was just, it was an incredible, Connor was on top of the world at that. He was on like a 10-fight win streak. He had the featherweight belt. He was looking unstoppable. He moved up two weight classes to do this at welterweight. He was like, fine, I'll I'll do that. I don't care. I'll do whatever. It led to the Nate Diaz rematch, which their trilogy is the biggest missed opportunity in the UFC still. Oh, for to sure. To this day, they should have done a third fight because now it'll never be the same. You don't it think it'll happen? If, if they were to do it. Because Connor seems like he's slowed down a lot. He he has, and, like, the stakes aren't the same. They're both, like, the chinks are in their armor big time, and, like, right. Nate's not in the UFC, too, anymore, so, like, that that's the other big thing, so they'd have to do it outside of that, so who knows when that happens, when Connor becomes, like, his own, you know, Guy. his own endeavor yeah. and everything like that. Um, but that was the beginning of a crazy era in the sport, and, and the Connor McGregor era was... Wild for a lot of reasons, which I'll get into more in a little bit. Um, but that moment with Nate was also crazy for Nate's career, and he would not be as big without it. So Huge, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, that was the start of their feud? That was the start of their okay. feud, yeah. Um, and it, it's carried on ever since. As I say, it was pretty ugly. I remember seeing it on the interwebs. But, yeah, we talked to the sports villain list, how much we liked Conor McGregor starting up and how fun and his story was great, and then he just turn himself into a a real life just asshole. a, a yeah. villain mm-hmm. just a straight up villain so that's bad yeah um so yes the i'm not surprised moment made it in at my number seven awesome number six i'm going we're gonna stay in the ufc awesome we're gonna stay in the ufc uh a lot of great ufc moments knockouts stuff like that just just uh, incredible tap outs um in in, in stuff uh, I remember watching this fight, and uh, we were at Buffalo Wild Wings, which used to be the spot for UFC stuff, mm-hmm. right? I think it was like... Still wait, is, I believe. It it still is. I don't have one close to me. The, oh, the closest one is... Uh, the Boulevard up here. Yeah, the Boulevard yeah. one. We had one right in Niagara Falls, and it was wonderful. No good places to watch UFC fights anymore. It's sad. No, there isn't. 
Um, there really isn't. You know, we gather with friends. You know, we, we I go over a friend's house and stuff every now and then. But, um, yeah, he got uh, – it was July 6, 2013. I remember it. A uh, group of us went to Buffalo Wild Wings. I had a nice Pap's Blue Ribbon with my chicken wings. <laughs> and uh, it was Anderson Silva versus Chris Weidman. Oh, yes. The no, first one. The first one. The first one. And, uh, oh, my God. I was, like, getting out. I'm like, this – again, I wasn't super heavy into UFC, but we're watching it. And I'm like, this Anderson Silva, dude, he's a douchebag. He's doing the head bobbing stuff. He goes, come on. Come on. You remember that he's doing the, the, the jerk around stuff? That's when he got bored. That's when he got bored in his in his title reign. Really bored. He was just clowning everybody. He was just – yeah, he was just and – it, it, and then he got goofy – he got caught because Weidman punched him in the face. Then Weidman just followed up a couple other times, and that was it. That was the, that was the end of it. I think it was early in the second. It was early in the second. Yep. And uh, champion, was, champion. He wild. ended uh, Anderson Silva's. I think it was his 16 fight win streak. I read. I believe it was 16. Yes, because no one's broken it since. Right. It's still a thing. Like no one's no one's done. It's a crazy record. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy record. And uh, Chris Weidman was an NCAA wrestler, so one, you know I'm excited about that. You mm-hmm. know, being a, a wrestler myself in high school, always excited to see the wrestlers go on and do good things. Um, you know, Henry Cejudo, uh, it, 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 Brock, and and there's so many other ones that are doing well. Um, Cormier, Cormier. Uh, I just seen uh, Patchy Mix. Uh, in another, not in UFC, but million bucks. Yeah, he's in from. Bellator. He's from. He wrestled for Lakeshore High School. You know, a buddy of mine was just saying that uh, he's friends with him. Yeah, which which was great cool. dude, mm-hmm. great dude. I met him a couple times. Great dude. Um, but yeah, just just to see that. I mean, that was like again, see Connor's cocky. You know, ask it not get beat up. See Silva just do that, right? This is one of the greatest fighters in in in, in mixed martial arts history, you know, one of the greatest to this day, on damn near untouchable, and he lost because of his own ego and arrogance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was and so. That was before I became a fan. Like that was like before. I really dove in. I still was watching, but I wasn't watching every pay-per-view and stuff and every fight card like I do now. Right. Uh, and it's revered. I Like I told you, I dive into everything. So I, you know, of course, went back and, like, watched that. My cousin's a huge Chris Weidman fan, so, you know, he was showing me those old fights. And that's one of my favorite moments still. Like, it's one of the craziest knockouts that you'll ever see with the stakes of it, too. And, and especially um, Ray Longo, who is Weidman's coach and has been for a very long time. Oh, right and be- talk him in the corner. I want you to punch a hole, hole in his, his chest, fucking in chest. chest. Yeah, that's what I want. Yes, it's one of the best coaching moments ever. Yep. And uh, he's there. There have been a couple of champs from his gym now, so he's he's doing really well. I love listening to Ray Longo. I, one of my favorite podcasts. They bring Longo on every week, and he's my favorite part of it. Um. But yeah, that was an insane moment. It's crazy you saw that live. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. And again, for me not being the biggest, uh, you know, UFC fan, it was always cool to see a big card like that. 
and just to learn about some of these guys. Then, of course, you know the rematch a couple months later, and, and uh, Silva breaks his oh. leg, kicking him. It's like, dude, that's it. For, that's got to be it for Silva. He might have had a couple. Fights. I'm sure he had some fights since then, but um, but what rotten luck! What rotten Awful luck! luck. Yeah, that, that leg break was. Good. We were at, we were at Buffalo Wild Wings again for that one, and we were just sat there like. That we bought gross. chicken. We bought these overpriced chicken wings and, and beer for that. <laughs> we were so pumped up, and it was just disappointing. Um, that was that was oof. That so, was such a hard injury to watch. It was. Gross. I don't do good with floppy limbs and stuff like that. I just don't. You know, but about Weidman. Right. What about him? About what happened to him a couple of years ago? Then he got hurt the same way? The same exact thing. That's right. Thing. I do remember seeing the, the video. The same that. exact thing happened to him. The same thing. And watching it live was, Matt, it was the most bizarre thing ever because you're like, am I, am I like in another, like, Reality <laughs> where Weidman's and, and Silva is fine. I, <laughs> it was like of all people to have it happen to Weidman. Yep. It was, and that was insane. That was insane. I didn't even think of that as like a possible moment that that'll probably be. That's an honorable mention for this list is that because I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, that was that, so, that actually happened. So um, there was my number six. Love it, love it. Thank that is you. an excellent one. Thank you. Um, I'm going to put the Victor Cruz helmet catch at my number six um, for the for the New York Giants. That was actually David Tyree did it. Oh, David and Tyree, that's, that's my number five. David that Tyree, works out good. I'm sorry. No, he's um, Cruz caught the touchdown. Tyree caught the helmet catch. Yes. Okay. Tyree caught the helmet catch. Cruz caught the touchdown. Yes, you're right. Um, that is another so it's similar to the Murray moment where Eli got out of a crazy rush during that moment. I think there were like five guys on him during that it during that he play. He disappeared for like a couple like He did seconds. and I thought I was like that's like he's he's gone like that's it like they're they're sacking him he's he's going down. Somehow he gets out of that and he gets it to Tyree and the way he caught it against his helmet probably wouldn't even be a catch now with how they rule catches like here and there with, with certain things. But my God, that shifted the momentum of the entire game. Mm-hmm. Once you saw that, there was almost a feeling at home like there's no way the Patriots are winning this thing. Yeah. It felt it felt like a movie moment. It, it was Unbelievable. And, you know, there was the whole uh, thing surrounding Eli being as good as Peyton and all that, like not having the ray. And, like, he gets there, and in that big moment, he he did his best work. He always did his best work in those moments. In my opinion, Eli had better Super Bowl games than Peyton did. I think so, too. They were better, better. I mean, two versus four, obviously, there's a lot of, you know— the sample size is, is is quite different, but dude, he's two and zero in Super Bowls. Like that's that's his legacy, and both of them against the the Almighty Patriots. Yeah, and, you know. And listen, Eli and Peyton, as far as like athleticism go, 
they're they weren't mobile guys, right? They weren't the most athletic guys, and I'm not saying that they're bad athletes, but as far as athleticism, as far as moving around, right? They were traditional pocket passers. They stayed in there. Uh, that's what they did. For them to scramble was a lot. Was a, a lot. lot. You just didn't see them do that often. That wasn't their game. And for Eli to kind of break out and do that. And this, I would call it a mini Hail Mary because he did. He just lobbed it up. Somebody catch it, yeah. please. Yeah, Tyree caught it. Is he caught it at like, like that upper? I'm trying to think of like the even, back upper, part. the back of of the head. Like, yeah, and he, he caught it like that. He clearly couldn't see it. He just was holding on to it tight, and he pulled it up just enough so it didn't bounce off the ground. And yeah, well, like. Oh my God! Changed the entire thing. Yeah, changed the entire momentum of everything. That right. that was absolutely wild. And uh, it, I heard the argument a lot with this season coming up on who would you rather have within uh, your roster, Aaron Rodgers or Eli Manning? And a lot of people, and my answer too is you'd want Manning in those situations, right? Because in those big game moments, he always delivered, like when you wanted to the most. Traditionally, yeah. 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 He's got the track record to prove it. He so. doesn't have the stats maybe, but like does the what's the franchise? Does the franchise want to record stats or do they want to record Super Bowls? Super That's the Bowls. other thing you got to mm-hmm. like factor into all that. So, um, that that just getting Eli's legacy started to like that that was that play that really defined his that's, legacy. That's his claim to the Hall of Fame right now because there's a lot of people who uh, there's a lot of people who don't think that Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer and because of stats and other stuff and and a, and a lot, but man, two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. That's that warrants Hall of Famer in my book. Especially, again, you got to think, against the undefeated Patriots. Yeah. They were gonna, they were about to go 19-0. That close. I mean, a minute away, a couple minutes away, 39 seconds. Yeah, I think it was like, uh, yeah, 39 seconds away. And it happened. Crazy. It's insane. Yeah, so, absolutely crazy. Yeah, I loved it. I'll never forget watching that, like just being just so excited. Because um, it was one year after another. So Peyton won it the year before, and then Eli wins it the year after. And you just, you're just so hyped up and excited because it's somebody different. Um, it's not the Patriots walking away with another Super Bowl victory. And I love hearing stories of people at Super Bowl parties from that one mm-hmm. where Patriots fans were at, that they thought they were going to go 19-0. and and, they, and those people just just stopped, like, emoting, watching that whole thing go down. Yeah. So, Yeah. So your number six, my number five, you just what that was probably one of my favorite. That was, I think I've done Super Bowl rankings before on my old football show, and that might have been number one or two. Mm-hmm. I maybe it's definitely top three, definitely top three for me as far as whole Super Bowl games go. So it was a really good one. Yeah, I agree. Um, my number five. A lot of these are MMA ones coming up. So I'm trying to think of where these kind of rank for me. I think this does rank at number five, honestly, for me. Um, Rousey getting dethroned, uh, a.k.a. the head kick heard around the world. Yep. So at the time, Ronda Rousey was the biggest superstar in MMA 
besides Connor, who is about to really take that spot and shine, and he's really gaining traction within that year. This is 2015. This is going on. Um, Rousey has been the Bantamweight champ. She uh, has flatlined everybody. She's fought the longest fight at that point in the UFC had been Misha Tate, uh, and it was three rounds, and it wasn't even close. She was dominating Misha the entire time. Um, goes out against Ronda or uh, against uh, Holly Holm, who nobody gave really a chance going into that fight. She's uh, a gold glove boxer. She's uh, extremely well rounded, um, and but Rousey had a weird demeanor going into that fight too. She forced a lot of like hostility towards her. It was it was very uncharacteristic of it. Um, they're at Marvel Stadium in Melbourne against uh in this in front of this huge crowd, this unbelievably uh hype amount of fans to see her, and she just comes out and has the worst performance I, I've ever seen in a title fight for the most part. Not even with things she was doing wrong. She was chasing Holly and Holly was like expecting the chasing. So she was keeping her, she was keeping the distance and hitting her with shots and just piecing her up every time she came forward. She was just landing, landing, landing. And Rhonda was just getting beaten up. And I was watching this live too. This was one that I remember seeing in the moment when it happened. Uh, between rounds, she looked kind of like lost on the stool, comes back out more of the same. I remember she went to throw a punch and she just like uh, Holly just Holly moved and Rhonda just like fell to one knee and like got back up, but it was such a sloppy punch. It was like so desperate. And in that moment, that's when you knew she's done. Right. Like she there's no So then she went for something else. Holly uh clinched went behind her, threw a head kick. Ronda hit the canvas. Holly is the new Bantamweight champion. The biggest superstar in the UFC at that point has been dethroned in dramatic fashion. And this is like at the the beginnings of the women's fighting too, right? Because they weren't doing it for a while. They weren't doing a ton of it. So I think Ronda was kind of the pioneer. Ronda's division was first and then... Um, Joanna was on that same card in that one, but they had just the strawweight division was still really new. Um, but Joanna Yon Jacek uh, helped to shape that a lot, and that division's off and running now. Their women's featherweight they created for Chris Chris Cyborg specifically. They literally still have no rankings on it, which is that's weird. It's it's, it's sad. They're, Aren't a lot of women fighting at 145 out there, honestly, in MMA. Right. So it's but still they they had enough where it was kind of like eh, you can't do something with this. <laughs> Amanda's just been kind of holding on to that belt, like okay, well this is here, it's on my shoulder. Yeah, um, they should lump a weight class together or something. Yeah, and now they have a women's flyweight, which is 125, which is the perfect weight class. I feel like yeah uh, for everything. But yeah, um, beginning of the sport looked unstoppable. Holly uh, made her career off that moment. She's gotten so many undeserved title fights since then, just based on her knocking Ronda out. And it, it 
changed so much. I, I remember that was the first moment watching as an MMA fan when I was like, I can't believe that just happened. And it was not in like a defeated way, but it was like in, in like a disbelief. It, it was just an absolute shock moment that it happened and it happened in that way. Yeah, so the head kick heard around the world is my number five. And she never regained really her steam after that, right? Ever, it just kind of fell, fell apart. She lost in about 58 seconds to Amanda Nunes, and then she uh, she left. That was a Well, for Ronda, at least. And then Holly still also hasn't. She'll, she'll beat contenders in the right fights, but then in title fights since then, she's never gotten it. Right. She had that loss against Misha, which I mentioned that was her only other um title fight where she either defended or that was it. Right. So it was just that Holly win. That was the only time she ever grabbed gold. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's wild. Yeah. Man. She was one of your top ten villains too, right? Rhonda, yeah. Yeah. She, I don't like her personality whatsoever. I get it. I get it's it. Bad. It's She's a sore loser. Big time. <laughs> um, yeah. But that is my number five. All right. On to our number four. All right, bud. My number four uh, this happened in 2015. I was watching. I believe this is Sunday Night Football. It was one of the pri- it was one of the primetime games. Uh, it is Detroit and Green Bay, and this is their second game of the season against each other. The first game, Detroit won. They were a terrible football team. Terrible. I think like a two, three, four win team that year, but they ended up beating. Uh, Green Bay, which is surprising because Green Bay was kind of the, the face of the division at that time. Um, trying to find, let me try to find the play by play here. First, but um, what happened was that Detroit was about to win again. They're a feisty little bunch uh, that they were about to win, and then there was a face mask penalty. Yeah, they were up twenty three to twenty. And there was a face mask penalty. They had him stop, but there was a face mask penalty, a stupid face mask penalty. Mm. And ended up screwing him. It gave them one more chance. Get, it, the time ran out, but games can't end on a defensive penalty. Right. So um, let's see here. Let's map it out. Uh, yep, face mask 15 yards. Forced to the Green Bay 24, so they get... Um, they go up to 39-yard line. Yep, Green Bay 39-yard line. And uh, Rodgers, uh, they hike the ball. Again, zero seconds. This is the last play of the game. Hike the ball. The Lions are sending the sending everybody. And uh, and Rodgers, still mobile at this point. He just turned, I think, 32 years old, they said. It. And uh, he's whipping around, whipping around, and just heaves it up. Heaves it up. 61-yard Hail Mary. Uh, Rogers to Rogers was the thing called Richard Rogers, and it was really cool because Richard Rogers, you can kind of just you just know it's coming now. He was there was a couple defenders in the back, and Richard Rogers is at the beginning of the end zone, and he jumps backwards to catch it, hauling it, and it's oh my god, it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. This is the first year I consistently watch football on a weekly basis. I was a Colts fan and stuff. I watched football. I watched the big games. But as far as me trying to catch every single game that I could, this was the first year of it. So I knew of Rodgers, but this year just added to his mystique. He did it again in the playoffs to tie with Arizona in the divisional round. And he, he 50-something yard, or no, 40, 50-something yard Hail Mary. 
So he threw two Hail Mary touchdowns that year, but this was the first one. It was a big one against Detroit on primetime football, and it was crazy cool um, to, to just be just laying in bed and just watching that happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, Rodgers had some really cool moments. You know, it's really awesome moments in the NFL. I'm excited for him and his opportunity with the Jets. I might get that jersey. I don't know yet. I think we should just for shits and giggles. Who knows? Yeah, I got a Rogers Green Bay one, and it's kind of ugly because it's from China, mm-hmm. and I'm like over getting China jerseys now. So I might get it. And he's got a new number now. He's number eight. So, um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that's my number four moment is uh, the first hail mary that I ever seen. So. Excellent. I absolutely love that. Thank you. Um, Timing versus speed is going to be my next entry onto this list. Okay. Um, Which is the beginning of Conor McGregor's, like, actual championship era. So he won the interim belt, which I do consider when people uh, win it. I consider it a belt in certain circumstances, depending on... How it's defended, what's going on in the division at that point. Um, when Israel Adesanya won his interim belt, I considered him the champion at that point because Robert Whitaker hadn't defended the belt in like two years or so. So it was there was some weird. What was the reasoning for that? So um, it wasn't. To be fair, it wasn't Whitaker's fault. Whitaker um, had fought Yoel Romero and. Uh, had claimed an interim belt from Romero. And then Bisping was uh, about to face GSP. So after they fought, Whitaker was supposed to get the winner of that. Um, when GSP beat Bisping, afterwards he uh, revealed that he had colitis from cutting weight and oh. he, and he uh, couldn't fight anymore and he had to vacate the belt. Um, so they promoted Whitaker to champion. So then Whitaker was supposed to fight. Luke Rockhold got hurt. Um, and then Yoel fought for the interim belt, missed weight, so and missed weight and won, so he wasn't interim champ, but he got the next fight. So then Whitaker was supposed to fight him for the belt, and Yoel missed weight again, so he wasn't eligible to win the belt. So Whitaker wasn't like necessarily defending the belt at that point. Right. And then before his next uh, couple defenses, he got injured as well. So then by the time Izzy got the interim belt and fought him, it was like, okay, well, he hadn't really, there wasn't a ton he did with the belt anyway. So, and it was like, there were people that were actively hunting for it too. Um, But Connor is one of the, one of the people I consider to be in the category where, uh, like the interim championship did mean something because he beat Chad Mendez on on one leg, um, which was a crazy thing. Even though Chad was on, you know, only like ten days notice or so going into that fight, right? But it was a big thing, and he got into Aldo's head before this fight. Jose Aldo was the man before this. Before he fought uh, fought Connor, he hadn't lost a fight since two thousand five. That was the only fight he had ever lost in MMA, and then they meet. In this faithful December of 2015, and Connor throws back that, to back December 2015. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then Connor throws this right hand moving backwards. 
13 seconds into this fight while Aldo's coming at him. And Aldo just hits the canvas. I'll never forget that. 13 seconds that fight lasted. And Connor's champ. And he's sitting on like when you wanted his downfall so bad. That was the that was the thing. And that moment, that was when people really wanted him to fail. I was like, Aldo's gonna piece him up. He's gonna really like he's not used to that type of striking guy. And he flatlined him. It was insane. It was the craziest thing. It was the craziest, craziest thing. And that's what made the Nate uh fight so much bigger too, because he had just done that to Jose Aldo he had just done that Nate does that to him and then he beats Nate and becomes lightweight champ after that but I will never I the Connor moment left me speechless I hated Connor (laughs) so much at that point hated him and it left me my cousin was laughing at me so hard because I just had like my head in my hands with my jaw drop and like he was just like taking in my reaction to everything like that and it was also that was the night Chris Weidman lost the belt too which sucked he, oh, he lost it to uh, Luke Rockhold. Okay, to a, with a terrible spinning wheel kick that he should have never thrown ever. He threw a terrible kick, and Rockhold got on his back and just took him to the ground. Why did? Why would you do that? Uh, but yeah, that that moment with Connor just solidified his superstardom forever. Right, like him doing that, going over to all those corner and just making it rain on them while he's sitting on the fence while the corners like <laughs> flipping him off. He would get in trouble for doing more stuff with corners oh, and things course. in the future, oh, which we all know. Um, but it, there's no denying the uh, waves he made in the sport and the things like that that made him uh, a bona fide superstar. So uh, timing versus speed is my entry here. And I call it that because that's what he said. That was his justification for uh, how he won that fight. Right. was just his timing and, the, and picking the right shot at the right time, which is very similar to Izzy's uh, power versus precision that he likes to say. It's like, I don't have power. I have precision. And he hits the right spots. That's a cool one. I do remember the highlights it. of that um, quite a bit. It's wild. The, the highlight. It was how, how could there be highlights of that Connor fight? There was one punch thrown and it was his. Yeah, it was, you're right. It was moment. the highlight. Highlight. That's the, the, my only issue with UFC, though, is that you could stay up all night waiting for a big fight. And it, I mean, it's a cool moment to watch, but man, sometimes the, they just they end so disappointing. Yeah, that's the only that's the only problem. But though. like anything, can, that's the crazy thing is anything can happen. And there's going to be more of that on this list too. Um, but yeah, all right, on to our top three, Matt. All right, top three. I'm going to go with one that I've actually already mentioned on the show. I believe it was in the Friends, uh, Memories of Friends episode. But uh, I'm going to talk about Jonathan Taylor capping off a big time, uh, it, capping off a Colts versus Patriots game from 2021. Oh, yes. December of that year uh, that myself and my good friend Brandon uh, Rogers were in attendance for front row. Coolest moment ever. Um, so this is Brandon's first time at Lucas Oil Stadium. First time going to see a Colts game in Indianapolis. I told him I wanted to take him. We're going to go together. We're going to have a good time. And, uh, we certainly did. We did not mess around and, uh, had a lot of fun. Went in, uh, to the game and it starts off great, right? First of all, it's Colts and Patriots, Mm -hmm. which is a big rivalry. And this is the first time, 
Is it the first time they played? No, it was the second time. But basically the first time, obviously post-Tom Brady era, these two teams look very, very different from where they were back in the, you know, back just a few short years ago. Sure. Um, starts off great, right? Naheem Hines scores a touchdown, eight-yard pass, first quarter, and then uh, a blocked punt gets taken for a touchdown, 14 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, Michael Badgley hits a, a field goal from 25 yards away. And they're up 17-0 early in the third quarter. Michael Badgley hits a 41-yard field goal. Great. All right. It's 20 to nothing heading into the fourth quarter. Pretty confident. This is awesome. This is prime time. They moved it to prime time. It was Saturday night football because of big, ca- uh, big implications. And the crowd is just electric. This is the closest to a Bills game or a Bills crowd that I've ever seen in Indianapolis be. Mm. But uh, here comes the slide, the classic fourth quarter slide that, I, that I'm – could not stand Frank Reich for, could not stand the Colts for, is that they get these leads and then they piss them away because they've been doing it all season long. So Mac Jones, the Patriots, they score. Uh, he gets Hunter Henry for a seven-yard touch or twelve-yard touchdown pass. It's twenty to seven. Then they kick a field goal. It's ten to twenty, and then Hunter Henry scores a seven-seven-yard, uh, uh, you know, gets a seven-yard touchdown pass, extra point. It's seventeen to twenty. And there's still plenty of time left. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've seen this before. I, I If the Colts lose this game, I'd be pissed. Um, Carson Wentz is playing like dog shit. He, he's thrown for like 53 yards through a line drive interception. God, he sucks. <laughs> and then two minute, right before the two-minute warning, he hands the ball off. And Jonathan Taylor takes off for a 67-yard touchdown run. Seals the game. That's it. There's no way they're coming back, and, and, and there's possible, but very unlikely they cut. They 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 win uh, and score more than ten points with the fight with less than two minutes left. But I just remember him taking off, and he was gone. He beat the dudes, and I just looked at Brandon. I gave him a big old hug. I'm like, you know, f yeah, f yeah, we did it. And um, it was just a celebration. Colts fans are walking out, screaming, cheering, hooting, and hollering. Me and Brandon were so excited. Uh, we went to the bar after and hung out. It was just, it was the perfect way to end the night and that game. It was just Jonathan Taylor was having a monster MVP-like season, you know, just just to pull that off. So um, it's great. You can hear it. As soon as he breaks free of all the, the, the clutter around the line, the crowd just gets loud because he's gone. He's not looking back. That's an amazing moment. So that is my number three. There's... I mean, obviously, because it was live and we were there, and uh, yeah, it was it was crazy cool. Just everything about it just made that moment. So, mm. yeah, what an unbelievable moment for you guys! What a cool moment to be there live for, especially yeah. with how few Colts fans like there are in the area too. To like have the one that like you know and bond with, like to have that moment for you guys. Was so t- cool. I get, we made it on TV, which is really cool yeah, too. We were yeah. sitting next to T. Y. Hilton's agent. Um, Gary Brackett, who was on that that oh six oh seven Super Bowl winning team for the oh, Colts, cool. he was sitting a couple rows up be, behind us. Uh, we looked back at him, we waved, and he goes, "He didn't want it, just just cover blown." Um, but just yeah, everything just yeah, I'm getting texts. Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, I seen you on TV." I'm like, "Oh God, I'm trying to watch this game, but this is really cool too." So cool. So now, like, I I'm a whore for the first row, like first two rows. Like, I I can't sit in the upper. Like, I have to try and get on TV now. My mm-hmm. ego just will not let me sit anywhere higher. <sighs> so good. So, 
Yeah. What Loved a great it. time for you. Thank you. It was it was great. I I can't wait to go back this year. I'm going back in September for the home opener, which I haven't done yet. It'll be hopefully the weather will be warm, roof open. So I'm I'm excited for that. So. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. So that's my number three. What do you got, buddy? I love it. Um my number three is going to be uh, the curse broken, which is in two thousand four in baseball, um the Red Sox coming back from a three oh deficit in um the American League Championship series against the Yankees. And from a 3-0 deficit, I don't mean a 3 nothing game. I mean they were losing three games to nothing in the series and came back to sweep and win four games in a row and then sweep the World Series. This is why the implications for this are so big. First of all, the Red Sox hadn't won a, series, a World Series at that point in over like 75 years, something crazy like that. There was a curse that was put on them. They they called it uh, the curse of the babe where they hadn't run won a World Series ever since um, Babe Ruth got traded to the Yankees. Right. And uh, in any big spot they were in, they always choked in those situations. In 2003, when they faced the Yankees in um, the – the playoffs uh it ended on an Aaron Boone walk-off home run and the Red Sox missed their chance by like that much again during the mid-season that year there was a big bidding war for the hottest player in baseball at that time Alex Rodriguez and the two highest bidders were the Yankees and the Red Sox the Yankees won that war so there's a lot of heat going into this series too so this is the American League Championship Series. Winner of this is going to the World Series. And the Red Sox are down three games to zero. And they come back to win four in a row. And a lot of them in dramatic fashion. Yeah, It was the crazy—no team has done that, in, in especially in baseball. I don't think any other team has blown, like, a, a 3-0 lead like that ever since yeah they just they got hot at the right time they just put it together and got hot it was unbelievable i think yeah baseball that that's remarkable i think it happened in basketball too right they don't like golden state or cleveland blow like a three three something lead you um golden state golden state did that was the only one that cleveland won in that time uh but it doesn't you're right it doesn't happen very often i remember that era too i mean that was just good but uh, like I remember, Johnny Damon was like the big hot like act, and he ended up coming yeah. over to the Yankees. I think like a year or two later. Yeah, he did come to the Yankees at one point. Yeah, which was like crazy. But I remember Johnny Damon was like the big stud. But yeah, that's uh, that was really cool. I remember my uncle pulling up to the house. He's a Yankees fan too, and he del- he looks at me and my dad, and he goes. How about them Yankees? Yeah, right. <laughs> and he was laughing in the goofy way that he, he always does. The uncle that you've you've met before, he's been here quite yeah. a few times. And uh, it's just, yeah, he was just dumbstruck. Everybody was. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. If you, if you have the chance, there was. I was just looking to see what the title was of it. There's a documentary on Disney Plus, I believe. It's called Four Days in October, and it, and it goes over. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Okay. It goes over the, those days that the Red Sox ended up winning, uh, and it's really, really good. I wonder if there's a book on it. I, I, I'd love to find some baseball books. Yeah, I think there are cool some really in. interesting ones out there. My dad could recommend 
a bunch to you. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. Uh, yes, but that is my number three is um, the Red Sox beating the curse and beating the Yankees. And that's my jab at the Yankees, too. <laughs> I figured it was yeah. coming. Well, uh, a jab at the Yankees would, would come, but right, but I didn't know it was going to be that. If, it, if it's factual, you know. That's true. It's not really. That's true. I didn't know if there was going to be one where the Mets got them somehow. No, no, not in that one. Um, all right. Top two. Matt, go ahead with number two. All right. My number two is one that, uh, yeah, this was really, really cool. Um, they're, all, they're all cool. They wouldn't be on my list if they weren't cool. All right, so it's New Year's Eve 2017, and uh, the Buffalo Bills have just beaten the Miami Dolphins. It's to, to have a chance at going to the playoffs. Yeah. All right, have a chance. They need some things to happen. Uh, and right now their hope is on a guy by the name of Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 6-9. and nine. If they beat the Ravens, the Bills go. If the Ravens win, they're going to the playoffs. Um, we're sitting there at my grandfather's house watching this game, me, my dad, my mom, grand- grandparents, whatever, sitting there watching it. And it's not looking good. They're getting smacked around. Like it's, um, I think it was in the fourth quarter. And uh, Bengals were winning. And then the Ravens kind of mounted back a little bit. They were up 27-24. So we're like, all right, screw it. We're going home. Mm -hmm. This is kind of over. The Bengals offenses look kind of mediocre all game. So we we leave their house. We're we're gonna get ready to go to a New Year's Eve party. We went bowling with the extended family, and um, we're listening and, and on the car. So we didn't watch it. We were listening on the car, uh, the radio call, and they start going nuts when Dalton hits Tyler Boyd. It's fourth and uh, uh, I think it's fourth and twelve. Let me find it. Touchdown. Yep, 4th and 12 at the Baltimore 49, and uh, Tyler Boyd catches a pass from Andy Dalton, 49 yards. They score, they take the lead, and then with the extra point, 31-27, to 27, and we're going nuts. My dad's screaming in the car because it's been 17 years. Yeah. I remember I remember as a kid the last time that you know the Bills were in the playoffs, he was actually working on building Niagara Falls High School. He was at the bar with some work friends watching it, and uh, it's when they lost to Tennessee, Music City Miracle. He came home pissed. Uh, so for me to actually be there when it, when this happens and it's just it is super exciting. We go to Rapids and everybody's in Bills gear, cheering, screaming. They're playing the Bills shout song, and it was just a good time. Like it was really cool to see just people from Buffalo happy about football stuff, like. That was big. That was big, especially with that you know that squad. Sean McDermott's first year, you know, Terod Taylor, who many people rid off. They had a whole weird year. Nathan Peterman stuff. Um, oh yeah, that was. But just to be there in the car with my dad, he's like he he parks the car, he's screaming, yeah, and we're both screaming together, and like I was just happy to just have that moment with him. So yeah. I wish I would have got to see it with my grandfather too, but. Um, but yeah, so uh, I really love watching the video that they do the the sideways thing where it's 
Well, they actually show the Bills locker room in mm-hmm. Miami from that. And then they actually show the clips of the Bills fans watching it. They put it on in Miami Stadium by the big screen. Mm-hmm. So people, fans are watching, and they're just. It, it was just so cool to see people from all over just kind of celebrating, and then uh, seeing McDermott, you know, his crying, Kyle Williams crying, and all these dudes. Video. It was a beautiful uh, moment. I still watch it and get the chills. So that is my number two. I wasn't in Buffalo for that one. I was in New York. Oh, were you really? Yeah. Uh, and that kind of sucked because Julie doesn't give a shit about the Bills for the most part. So, uh, she, she was like, okay, whatever. And I was like, but they're in the playoffs. They made it. They got it or whatever. And she's like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, I wish I was home right now. So you were in New York City for New Year's Eve? Yes. Oh. That was dope. We we didn't go to Rockefeller because you you stay away from Times no Square at all costs. You stay away. Yeah, you stay away. We stayed in New Jersey, uh, the Giants Colts game, and we mm-hmm. pulled up on New Year's Eve, and it was just chaos. I was like, oh god. So we um, this actually turned out to be a funny story. We were looking for all these things to do on New Year's Eve, and uh, they were looking at all these clubs. A bunch of them I'm thinking are like sketchy and stuff like that. Like we probably don't want to go to these places. So we find um. This club, like a couple blocks from my grandmother's house, uh, called the Pyramid Club, and we love 80s music. And they were doing like an 80s throwback New Year's Eve party. So we went, we had a great time. We come back, and uh, I'm, I call my dad and I'm like telling him, Oh, we went there. He's like, You went to Pyramid Club? I was like, Yeah. He's like, I used to party there when I was, like, in my 20s. He's like, <laughs> I can't believe you went there tonight. He's like, that's, like, a part of us that's crossing over or whatever. That's so, that was so cool. Moment. Yeah. Um, but my – I the next year when the Bills beat Pittsburgh and got in, um, I was oh, with my yeah. friend Alejandro for that, and that was, like – that was kind of my makeup for right, the, right. the last year not being um, over there. But I, you know, that makes me really happy that you included that one. You gave the Bills one. That's a sentimental one. Yeah, I had to make up for the uh, the Cardinals one. So I mean, it's a good play. Yeah, and hey, it ranked higher than the Colts one. So um, yeah. any Colts ones that we did. So. And Murray's not winning Super Bowls anytime. Soon, no, so. he's not. I don't. He probably never sniffed the Super Bowl ever. No, not at all. <laughs> um, my number two touches on somebody we talked about at the beginning of our list, actually. Um, so the the title of this one is super necessary. Uh, ben Askren, yes, at one point was like the number one pound for pound MMA fighter in the entire world. He was the guy like he doing Bellator. He was doing Bellator. He was doing Risen. He was doing One. He was doing all these companies that weren't the UFC. Yeah, and ragged on everybody. His last few fights in One. I think he took like absorbed like three strikes or something like that. Like wow. the combined last, it, it was crazy. He was statistically like uh, unbelievable. He was undefeated. Um, and the big question for years was UFC, UFC talk of being the UFC. Um, how are we going to get him over? But he's locked in with a contract with one. Um, so Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson ends up losing the belt to Henry Cejudo. Um, very close fight. I wanted to see a, a, a fight between the two of them so bad, a third one. Because, right. Because uh, Mighty Mouse got him in the first one. 
Henry got him in the second one by split decision. I always wanted to see a third because I feel like Mighty Mouse could have got it. But they're friends now, too, and I, I actually really love their relationship as friends. <laughs> um, they watch back that fight together every once in a while. Like, do they? So Hudo will oh, do all man. these breakdowns of things. Um, but this uh, this loss ends up being super beneficial to Mighty Mouse because he's not getting paid shit in the UFC. Right. And if he's going to fight, he'd rather go to places where, one, he could make money, two, where he has some cool opportunities. So he decides to go fight at one in Japan. This ends up being a monumental deal because it's the first time anybody ever got traded. So he gets traded over to one. Askren is now a UFC fighter. Huge news for people. How is he going to fare? What's he going to do? All this. His first fight ends in controversy when he fights Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler is kind of ragged on him a little bit. Askren gets his footing, gets him in a bulldog choke. Herb Dean calls the fight, and Robbie Lawler wasn't out or was out, or there's still a lot of debate on it. Oh. But uh, but Robbie protested immediately and said he wasn't out. So a lot of controversy surrounding that. Enter Jorge Masvidal, who is on a resurgence of unbelievable caliber. He's just done this reality show where he had no technology and was out in the woods and was thinking about how he lost all these fights by split decision. And if he'd worked a little bit harder, he could have won. And then he came to the realization, what if I just knocked them out and didn't even let them get to the decision in the first place? Right. Comes back, beats Darren Till, or starches Darren Till, who at the time is really, really being hyped up by the UFC. So they set him up on a fight with Askren. Askren is disrespecting him the entire build-up to this fight, like just really trash-talking, being his goofy self, like really dogged George, Jorge in a lot of ways, calling him George the entire build-up. Masvidal gets on... Joe Rogan's podcast and they saying something about it. He's like, I don't like him. I don't like him whatsoever. I'm going to break his face when I get in the, that ring. I'm going to take his soul. I'm going to like do all this. Like, <laughs> with Rogan like doing this awkward laugh and Ma- Masvidal not even like Not even breaking. selling it, yeah. So uh, July comes and this fight's finally about to, I'll never forget watching this live ever as long as I live. Masvidal is standing, when they get in the cage, Masvidal is standing at the cage with his hands behind his back, just grinning and talking shit. They're both talking shit to each other. So the logic in what happens next is in training, Jorge said that if he thought he could get Askren to panic, he could get him to shoot right away. So immediately with this fight, Masvidal just runs at Askren. So Askren instinctively shoots. Masvidal throws up a knee immediately, just a flying knee. It connects at the three-second mark. Askren is out, hits the ground. Two more punches follow up. Five seconds, the fight is over. Ben Askren has been knocked out, and his undefeated record is done. Done. Hits the canvas, stiff as a board. Moss of it all goes down on the mat, looks at Askren and goes, 
Talk that shit now. <laughs> Hitting the mat. Talking all this mimics him hitting the ground stiff as a board says all this gets on the mic after is talking about how he wanted to it, it's kind of disappointing because he wanted to beat Ben's ass for four, 14 minutes and 45 seconds before finishing him but he'll take this over every over anything and, and Rogan asked how he knew he was going to shoot and he said because he's a bum he gave him oh no respect God. he gave him no respect at all and then after the fight this is why I titled this that after the fight they're at the press conference asking uh, Masvidal about certain things and someone asked him about the two punches that he threw after the knee and uh, the, he say, he starts the question he says something like uh, after the knee, you said you knew he was out and you threw those uh, two punches. Do you think that was a little on? Un- and before he could finish it, Masvidal just takes the mic. It was super necessary. <laughs> he goes, my job is to fight. The ref's job is to pull me off. He's right. like, the ref didn't pull me off yet. He's like, I don't care how brutal it looks. He's like, if you don't want, if you don't want brutality, go back to watch soccer. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Lead, which directly led this this year led Masvidal directly to the BMF title shot against Nate Diaz, which Masvidal just recently uh, recently retired at the last pay per view actually because he said he feels like he doesn't have it anymore. But man, that resurrection for that year changed his entire life and the dramatic way that he took. The, uh, the oh, from a guy who was considered the number one pound for pound fighter at one point. In, in the entire world, in five seconds, just got him. Really, three seconds. He was really out at three, but they called it at five. Yeah. And it's the craziest thing anybody has ever. Astrid gets roasted for that still. All day. the time. All the time, people will. But, you know, he handled it like a champ. I'll never forget. I was on Twitter after, and he tweeted, well, that sucked. Like, 20 minutes after he woke up, he just tweeted, well, that sucked. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's an interesting. He's a goofball. Like, he is a goofball. I I love some of his tweets. He's I think unbelievable he's wrestler. Down to earth. Yes, very good wrestler. He even try to help like make get wrestling mainstream because I think right at not too long after that, I think he retired from MMA and he was trying to get like Olympic style wrestling or at least that going. And him and Jordan Burroughs were 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 doing back and forth like shit talking him Kyle Day yeah. a lot of these big time wrestlers he was trying to get some mainstream attention to the sport and it just it didn't I don't think it worked but um Askren I have a lot of respect for cuz he you know he he just he helped try to make at least wrestling wise like he tried to help that and I think they did they were doing a bunch of stuff in like New York City they rolled out like mats and stuff for him to do that but you know that and then of course the the uh you know the 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 troller fight yeah yeah it just like it pisses you off cuz that's like that's what people look at though and that's uh, it, the undefeated streak you know all, all this stuff and his legacy is getting knocked out once by a youtuber and once by you know Masvidal by, so yeah by street jesus that's street that's jesus known so um but yes that's my number 2 on to our number ones, and you know, I had mentioned something at the beginning of this list, and I have a feeling that we're going to sandwich it, and it's going to end with yours. Matt, yes. can you bring us in with your number one? Yes, this is the Minneapolis Miracle. Um, 
this is the greatest play of, uh, in my opinion, in NFL history, just because of what they, you know, just what that year was, especially for the Vikings, and how, like Sam Bradford was their starter quarterback, he was hurt. Teddy Bridgewater was still banged up, he hurt. Case Keenum, this dude who just, and I love Case, but he wasn't it. This dude bounced around a little bit. He was at the Rams, and he just wasn't that guy. Um, and he goes to Minnesota, and he has a career season. He 3,500-plus passing yards. I think he had over 30 touchdowns. But the the Vikings win the division 13-3 and three they finish at. Tremendous year. And you don't do that without a good quarterback. And Case was that guy. It just worked out great. And, um, you know... It, it was tough because you wanted to see the Saints do good because you let, Drew Brees was, you know, a great player. You kind of wanted to see him win one clean without Bounty Gate handing, you know, hovering over him. And they got it, and it was I think third or fourth down. And I I, I remember the call to this day. Um, Keenan steps up, passes caught, digs sideline touchdown, and the way that it was just yelled. And the crowd just roaring after that. And it was over. That was it. There was like 11 seconds left. There was no coming back for the Saints. And uh, and, and obviously, like you said, you talked about Stephon Diggs' like celebration, right? Whoops off the helmet. Look at me. And then and then there was uh, – then I remember I loved it too because Case Keenum, again, a guy who did nothing, right, prior to this – He's leading a big old skull chant right in the U.S. Bank Stadium. Skull, skull, and the whole crowd is 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 going with them. And it's like, gosh, dang it, that's so cool. So cool. Keenum made so much off of that. He was the Denver Broncos starting quarterback the following year. Played okay in a much worse like supporting system, but he he was getting big time contracts. I think he went to did he go to Washington? I think he went to Washington after that. Mm-hmm. He got traded to Washington or some some deal. But Case was like getting opportunities because of this moment. But I, I've watched the there's a there's a there's a sideline camera view of it and just watching Diggs race by. And of course, there's you know just the obviously the main broadcast, which is just oh my god, it's such a beautiful moment. But, right? Um, yeah, it's so good. Me it's... and my dad were sitting in the living room uh, again. Another moment with my dad. And just to just to just to watch that happen was crazy cool. So, um, so yeah, that's one of the greatest. It's been to be talked about for a long time. And uh, yeah, I love Case Keenum and and Stephon Diggs. You, you made a good point. Like Steph was good, but like Adam, like they were him and Adam Thielen were a one A one B. But mm-hmm. Thielen was the guy. Yeah, Stephon Diggs became that dude because of that moment. Like that was what separated him from everybody else. Absolutely. So. Yeah, so that's my number one. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad that we both had that on our list. I I think it's such a beautiful play, and I think that it's going to be an NFL highlights forever, forever, forever. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get much bigger than that. So so good. Um, my number one. I feel like there's. I feel like I use recency bias on here a lot, but I really don't think. I really went through 
a lot of things a bunch of times as far as sports moments, and I don't think think things get crazier than um, this one I'm about to bring up. A few honorable mentions first that, of course. Uh, that I do want to say. Um, Israel Adesanya's fifth round against Kelvin Gastelum when they had their interim title fight because they were 2-2, and it was uh, a fight that even if you're a casual fan, you can score 2-2, and you know very well it's it's that going into the final. Izzy went out, said the words, uh, you're not beating me, I'm prepared to die, and then went out to perform one of the best rounds I've ever seen in my life from a, a fighter trying to rally, um, which was absolutely unbelievable. Um the uh, I will give Kyler Murray a, 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 a honorable mention here because that was an insane play and as much shit as I give it all the time, <laughs> um, it, it was it was unbelievable in that moment. Um, and then also, uh, what was the play? Who was the de- the uh, defender on Green Bay that made that play against the Cardinals last year? Um, where Adams oh, was in the end shoot. zone and he and he picked it off from him, right? Or was it or was it Adams that I No, it was AJ Green for AJ the Cardinals. Green. AJ Green. And it was uh it was two years ago and uh I, the Cardinals were like seven and zero, and Green Bay. Yeah, it, they were going for the game winning touchdown and they got picked off. I what can't remember who the cornerback was. But um yeah, AJ Green wasn't even looking and he got he got picked off. Yeah, that was that was an Awful, awful moment. Yeah, Un- unbelievable. And that was like an oh my god! And, like, and they barely doing? squeaked it. They only won like th- two or three more games. They barely snuck into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the double doink. That's the other one I also wanted to. Oh mention. yeah, the double doink is one of the craziest things I've yep. ever seen. Oh, uh, what the heck was that kicker's name? He's from Chicago, obviously, yes. but I, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. I can't remember. But yeah, that that double doink was absolutely awful. That was a good year for the Bears too, and they, mm-hmm. they yeah they lost bad. They would have won, and and who knows what they would have done. But as Mitch Trubisky's best year, yeah, it was. Um, all right, let's talk about a guy named Leon Edwards for a second. Um, so welterweight fighter in the UFC, uh, grew up in. Jamaica and then uh, uh, relocated to the UK, like right outside of Manchester, um, has been fighting the UFC for a, a while. Only loss in the UFC um, for a while was Kamaru Usman. Um, he since worked his way back and won seven fights in a row. And you get to COVID. He's kind of on a track where he's finally at a point where he should be getting a title shot. COVID comes in when he's about to get the biggest fight of his career against Tyron Woodley. Right. That gets canceled. Um, And Usman's uh, champion at that point, too. So it gives a good storyline because they fought before. Usman's already beat him. There's always there's already like this built in thing. Um, But COVID sidelines things for a while. Finally gets a fight against Bilal Muhammad the next year. Ends with an accidental eye poke in round two with a no contest. This guy can't catch a freaking break. COVID finally clears up again. He finally gets another fight after battling um, COVID himself um, and gets a fight against Nate Diaz. Wins all four rounds of this five-round fight. Within the last minute or so, Nate Diaz lands a punch that rocks him and just points and does Nate Diaz stuff. 
no one's remembering the fact that Leon won this fight now because all they're talking about is the fact that Nate rocked him with a minute left and, right. and almost won the fight. Right. This guy can't catch a break whatsoever within this. He finally gets his title shot because it almost seemed like there was no other option but to give it to him at this point after all all this time. So um, Usman's still champ at this point. This is this past August. Um, they finally uh, go in for this fight. Uh, Leon wins the first round, is the first person to get a, a takedown on Usman in the UFC, which is pretty big because Usman's a, a really good wrestler. Yeah. Um, so that that's promising. Round two, Usman starts doing Usman things, starts dominating. Round three, Usman is doing Usman things, starts dominating, like, even more. It's, it's just running away. Round four, and now... Like Leon's just looking more and more defeated as these rounds are going. Like the the fires out with this. Between rounds four and five, Leon's coach, they're all sitting down with him, and Leon's coach goes, "Well, listen, come on then, stop feeling fucking sorry for yourself. You need to pull this shit out of the fire," and starts giving him the like a a Rocky type speech. Leon's nickname is Rocky, so this all suits him really well. Okay. Fifth round, though, it's more of the same. Usman is just taking taking over everything. With a minute and 30 seconds left in this fight, Leon fakes a kick to the body and throws it to the head. And Usman defends to the body, leaves his head totally exposed. Hits him, shuts the lights out. That's it. Gets Usman on that one kick. Cormier and Joe Rogan are writing Leon's obituary as they're doing it. Perfectly timed, John Anik goes, Leon's not cut from the cloth where he would settle for just a moral victory. Mm. And then that head kick came up right at that timing. With John also having one of the best calls ever, screaming "No way!" and knew immediately into that. Leon walks away, doing the Conor McGregor strut as he's as he's doing it. Post fight speech, he's uh, he says, "You all doubted me. Every one of you doubted me." Usman was the pound for pound at the time. Pound for pound, headshot, dead. That's it. That and leaves it cold as ice. They rematched this past March. Leon probably won every single round, in my opinion. Yeah, there wasn't. He didn't miss. I think there was one round he maybe lost, but I Leon cleaned him up. It's wow. one of the best, and he did it in England too. He defended it in it. It's so it's like okay. It's what it was the biggest Matt. When I watched this, I was watching it on my phone in the living room by myself. Like my wife had gone to bed. I It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm like watching it because I'm like, it's going to be a decision victory. But you know me, I watch I, even like football games that are boring. You'll sit, you'll sit and watch through yes, sometimes. Yes. So like fights that are still, I'm like, okay, I want to watch the strikes. I want to see if like, because I also know that these things could happen. Like they could happen in MMA. And in that moment, it was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my life. 
And still, it from the the speech he got right before he went out for that round, then the kick and how cleanly it landed, it was unreal, absolutely unreal. I believe it. Yeah, love a good underdog story. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I think that was a theme of this episode or this episode. I think so too. You love to see those underdogs have those good moments. Yeah. So. Very good. Yeah. So that is our oh my god moments list in sports. Stellar list. I loved this list. This was really really fun to do. Great choice, my man. I, I get excited. I don't get to talk. I don't talk sports a whole lot much. I like to mix it up, but it was always nice to get to do that with you. Yeah, and open things up. So especially when it's a fun category. It's like a that. very fun category. Very fun category. So excellent choice. Next week. Uh, it is my choice, myself and Dan. We're going to talk universal languages, our top ten universal languages. And what that means, what universal language means is when you meet somebody that you've never seen before, you strike up a conversation with somebody that maybe you've seen but never really talked to, um, these ten things are something that you can connect with this person on to strike up a relationship of sorts. So in all honesty, it's our t- top ten favorite things. I guess, uh, it, you know, very simply put, but um, but universal language is what I'm titling it. I, I had an experience uh, last year on a cruise I'll talk about on that episode, which kind of gave me the idea of this. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's just... I'm excited oh, for this yeah, one. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. So we'll have that coming for you. Uh, Dan, close us out, my man. Thanks, buddy. Great to be on here with you as always. Always sir. great. Always great. Um. Make sure you catch our individual shows on the network whenever they come out. And from Matt and myself, do you even list?